Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, the Director of Advancement here at DCC, and we want to thank you for joining us as we continue in our series, Serve Like the King. Uh, the podcast, the DCC Leadership Podcast, focuses on current topics and events influencing our society, the world of education, and the local church. And in today's episode, the chair of the DCC Bible Department, Dr. Mark Halen, will be sharing his insights from 1 Samuel chapter 4. And helping to facilitate the discussion is the head of DCC's Practical Ministries Department, Dr. Eddie Sanders. Both have been regular guests and contributors to the podcast. I know you're going to enjoy this. So we're going to move right now to this episode of Serve Like the King. I'm really looking forward to this passage, Dr. Halen. This is an ancient text with an unbelievable message for today, a very relevant message. So I'm really looking forward to diving in this. Glad you're here, and thanks for sharing the word with us, brother. Okay, we're looking uh, today at 1 Samuel chapter 4, uh, which is a story of a devastating defeat of the Israelites at the hand of the Philistines. The Philistines, uh, toward the end of the book of Judges, emerged as this menace uh, toward the Israelites. They had come into the southwestern part of the territory of Israel, uh, toward the end of the time of the judges. So we read about them in connection with uh, the judge Shamgar, the judge Jephthah, and the judge uh, most prominently is Samson. And, uh, and they emerge as the quintessential enemy uh, in the stories of Samuel, Saul, and David. And uh, at the beginning of chapter 4, the Philistines are coming up. They've come up from their coastal towns that are now making inroads in the central part of Israel. And the, the Israelites go, go up to battle with them, and, uh, and they lose. And this is a scene not unlike what happened early in the book of Joshua, where there was a tremendous military defeat. And in the book of Joshua, Joshua and the elders, you know, you know, weep before God, and they, they, they find out from God that oh, there's sin in the camp, and so they, they, they take care of that with with Achan, and then they they rise up and they're victorious again. Story doesn't go quite the same way in First Samuel four. What what happens here is they kind of think, hey, you know. When the Ark of the Covenant, when, when Israel goes with the Ark of the Covenant into war, we're like really successful. You know, they think about Jericho. So that's the trick. That's the trick. Let's bring up the Ark of the Covenant, and uh, we will go to battle with the Ark of the Covenant. So Hophni and Phinehas, you know, last, last uh, episode we, we talked about Hophni and Phinehas, these two sons of, of Eli. They, they lead the bringing of the Ark of the Covenant up to the camp, and the Israelites get all excited because they've got the Ark. And we start seeing that they have this notion that they can carry God in their back pocket. Now, there's, there's a lot of sinister things going on here. First, there's this notion that if we just do the right formula, 
if we bring the ark with us, then God is beholden to us. God, we automatically can ensure God's presence with us. And we see that. We also don't see any introspection on their part, a la the book of Joshua, after the defeat at Ai. The, they, there seems to be no, what has happened, have we sinned sort of thing. It's just we didn't do the right thing. We didn't have the ark with us. And, and so we have these two priests, Hophni and Phinehas, who we already know are bad characters. And, and so that sets up what's about to happen. That is a really powerful thought. After sin, failure, defeat, no reflection. Just comparing these two stories and thinking through that, how often do we just carry on, same old, same old, I got God in my pocket, here's the trick, no reflection. That is a striking insight. And they they bring up the ark, and there seems to be like this obtuse failure to reflect on the reality that in the Ark of the Covenant are the tablets of the covenant. You know, the Ten Commandments are there in the Ark. And those Ten Commandments exemplify all the Torah law. And these priests have not been obedient to the demands of priesthood that are in the law. And we have the feeling that Israel has not been obedient either. And one of the key key ideas, I think, for, for leadership that comes out of 1 Samuel 4 is that it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how well you plan, how well you budget, how well you, you formulate ideas. It doesn't matter the formula that you go through, what spreadsheets you got. If leadership is not aligned with God. You know, we've, we've talked about how leaders are servants. Biblical leaders are servants. First, they are servants to God. Secondly, because they are servants to God, they are servants to God's people. When they're not aligned with that task, when they're not aligned with God, it doesn't matter what you do. In fact, what they do may actually end up harming the flock. And so they, they bring up the ark. It's interesting, the Philistines, initially they're frightened, but then they're charged up. Well, let's go show ourselves to be good men, okay? We can conquer the Israelites and their gods. They, they mistakenly think of the Hebrews having multiple gods like, like they have. And it's just a tremendous defeat. You know, the Hophni and Phinehas die, the Israelites are routed, and the Ark of the Covenant is taken by the Philistines, is captured by the Philistines. And the chapter ends with a messenger who goes back to Shiloh, and there's old Eli. He's, he's you know, over 90 years old, and he's sitting in a chair at the gate, and uh, he's blind. And the mess, he hears the messenger, he, he knows there's a hubbub, and the messenger tells him the story. He says, hey, Hophni and Phinehas are dead, Israel's defeated, and the ark 
is gone. And at that point, Eli falls backwards, probably has a heart attack of some sort, breaks his neck, and and that. But that's not the end of the story, because then Finneas's wife goes into labor. She's pregnant, and when she hears the news, she goes into labor, and she gives birth to a son that she names Ichabod, which means either no glory or where is the glory, because the glory has departed from Israel. Now, it's interesting to to think in terms of is the glory the Ark of the Covenant or is she thinking of the glory that has departed Yahweh himself? Yahweh has left the building. And... uh, and it's interesting that later in the Old Testament, Ezekiel will have a vision where he sees the glory of the Lord departing from the temple, crossing over the eastern mountains, and then leaving Jerusalem. Then when we get to the New Testament, Jesus will come riding on a donkey, replicating the route that the glory of Yahweh took in Ezekiel, but reversing it. And he'll end up in the temple, and he'll see stuff that disgusts him, and he will turn around and leave. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating story, but one that reminds us that, above all, leadership must be aligned with God. It also reminds us that we don't have God in our back pocket. Just because we're aligned with God doesn't mean we have him in our back pocket. Doesn't mean we can dictate his timing. Sometimes I think we think that. That if we just do this the right way, then voila, God's going to show up and do something great. Well, his timetable may be different than ours. And we have to be okay with that. So Eli's sitting in his chair... He's expecting good news, but as the runner gets closer, the messenger gets closer, he, he sees the facial expression and realizes that is not the case. Maybe he first assumes, oh, he, he's ran a long way, so he, he might be mm-hmm. out of breath. So this totally catches him by surprise. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Verse 13, uh, Eli was sitting on a seat by the road watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. So I don't know. I don't know, Eddie, if he really was expecting good news. Maybe he at least had some trepidation that maybe this is not going to go well because he knows his sons. And he knows his sons are the ones who are escorting that ark up there. And so he, he there's a measure of concern that he has. Uh, but at least the magnitude, the magnitude of what has happened is, is definitely a shock to him. Yeah. He led as a leader, and I love this phrase you said, carrying God in his back pocket. That is a very strong and striking phrase. And I, I think it pushes much of the leadership stuff we talk about to a deeper level. You know, so much of the leadership stuff is about methodology and strategies and, and here's the latest trend based on culture. 
But this probes what you what you describe here and point out probes to a deeper issue for the Christian leader, for the Christian servant that God well, does he fit in the back pocket or not? Yeah. Yeah, that that typically typically is one of Israel's problems. They they worship the Baals to make the crops grow in their thinking. But they like to have Yahweh in their back pocket. They like to have the Yahweh card that they can play when they're in danger, when they're in trouble. And we 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 laugh, we joke, we shake our head, we do all kinds of emotional responses when we see individuals who appear to be trying to play that game with God. You know, they they want to have Jesus around to save them out of their bad misfortune. Uh, I'm going to send it up, and then when things go really bad with the consequences, then I'm going to ask God for forgiveness, and then I'm going to also going to ask Him to straighten out the mess that I made. But if we're not careful, we can slip into a mentality like that as leaders because we can rely upon our own strength and our own ingenuity, our own our own craftiness in leadership, and and try to run a church <laughs> the way the way we run corporations, and and in essence, then we'll then we'll call on God when things go bad, instead of maintaining close alignment to God all through and in every circumstance. Isn't that the issue behind so many churches that have split, behind leaders that have fallen? And and, and I know there's struggle and and stories, the issues behind the stories, but that that really is a powerful image of God in back pocket, call on Jesus when I'm in trouble to fix it and, and miraculously take away the consequences. What, uh, if you wouldn't mind reflecting for a moment, what are some of the bales today that we so easily do the rain dance for? The, I think, power. I actually, you know, a lot of people's first reaction would be money, you know, in our culture would be money. I actually think power is probably bigger. Because money is is a is an instrument of power and authority, and so I think uh, power, celebrity, wanting to be someone, trying to, you know, uh, I I am a leader, therefore I am significant. Instead of understanding, I was already significant because Christ loves me, uh, and and therefore it's not about me being in front. Uh, uh, me being famous, so I think we our culture worships a lot at the at the image of power, authority, celebrity. You know, certainly wealth uh, is also is also there. Um, sex <laughs> is certainly one in our culture. Uh, leadership in the church, I think. Uh, uh, success, modeling, and, and success as defined by who. Um, I think I think we have to bear in mind that the 
the models of success, you know, in quotation marks, uh, that are found in, in Scripture are faithfulness, bearing fruit, feeding sheep and feeding lambs, and caring about the things that God cares about, and uh, planting seed and letting God, you know, letting God be in charge of making it grow uh, by faithfully planting seed. That's helpful. Those are the the fundamental components. I mean, there are plenty more, but that, that we take for granted so often and so easily. And really, this story paints a picture of those were the, the characteristics ignored, and this is where it got you. One historical question my my understanding is so when you've got two different nations battling it out it's really a battle of the gods of the deities so here israel loses did yahweh lose that that's one of the one of the fascinating things about about old testament uh, theology is is in a polytheistic world when one nation does battle with another nation, it it also is a pitting of their god against their god. You know, one a nation A's god against nation B's gods, or god, and and the prophets especially, and the Pentateuch uh, early on made it clear with the covenant curses found in Leviticus twenty six and Deuteronomy twenty eight that if you get defeated, it's not because I got defeated. It's because you were unfaithful. And so the prophets often will talk about beforehand, this is what God's going to do, so that when it happens, you're going to know that it wasn't because Bel and Marduk, the gods of Babylon, were more powerful than Yahweh. It's because Yahweh allowed this to happen. And then you get very interesting things where Yahweh says, I'm coming against you. Uh, I'm using the Babylonians against you. So, so that's one of the key things that happens in, in the Old Testament literature is Yahweh makes it clear that it's, if, if you guys lose in battle, it's not because of me. It's because of you, uh, your unfaithfulness. Boy, that speaks to today and our challenges and struggles and victories and opportunities, to be quite honest with you. So what I heard from you is I can't carry God in my back pocket he won't fit and any god that does isn't worth having that's good to know i'm going to turn it back over to you scott and thank you uh dr halen for this time and insightful and relevant analysis of first samuel 4. Thank you again for joining us for today's episode in the Serve Like the King series. If you'd like to learn more about Dallas Christian College, we encourage you to go to our website at www.dallas.edu. Dallas Christian College educates and mentors students to be people of influence, engaging in their calling to the work of Christ in the church and in the world. We hope that what you've heard today has been encouraging and enlightening to you and helps with your growth as a leader. And we pray that you stay safe. Have a great day, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks.